Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Today is Thursday, December the 4th, 2020, and we are continuing our study in the big book in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 24, the third paragraph, The Alcoholic May Say. And today, our readers are the 12 Steps, Ksenia V, 12 Traditions, Adriana T, and readers of the text, Vicki V, Carmela G, and Denise B. The reference numbers for yesterday, Wednesday, December the 23rd, the 7 a.m. meeting, 16049, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 16050. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Ksenia V to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Ksenia. Good morning, everyone. This is Ksenia V, compulsive overeater, recovered in uh, New Jersey. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks for this opportunity to be of service. Everyone have a beautiful, blessed day. I pass. Thank you, Ksenia V. And Adriana T. will read the 12 traditions. Welcome, Adriana. Thank you, Lynn, and thank you, everyone on the line. This is Adriana T. recovered in Michigan, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest money, problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Thank you, Adriana T. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 24, the third paragraph, The Alcoholic May Say to Himself. And Vicki V, would you like to start reading for us, please? I would, Lynn. Thank you very much. Good morning, everybody. This is Vicki V from New York. The alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. 
How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? This is, uh, it really spoke to me. You know, um, I knew I had a problem for 17 years, but I just thought I was like everybody else. You know, I just, in the moment, chose, uh, uh, you know, to eat. My life was always filled with the next right thing, the next meal plan or fitness plan that was going to be the answer to why I couldn't seem to stick to a plan of action. Over the years, I did come to see that I must have a sensitivity to sugar and flour, much like people did with gluten. So I did understand plan of action. And as I listened secretly to this meeting and related in with so many of the shares, I thought, well, I have a higher power already from the program I'm already working, and I don't need a sponsor because I have one from the program I'm already working, and she cares about me. I can just adopt all the thoughts that these people are sharing. I can reconnect with the professional that I had worked with for a meal plan and a fitness plan. But in the second month, when she added pineapple to my meal plan and I found myself banging at the bar again, I was absolutely distraught. This was a fruit. What? What? I can't even eat a fruit. The gift of desperation, fear, hopelessness rained down on me, and I just felt like there was no hope for me. I felt doomed, and I had so much shame. I heard someone say, maybe you're not ready. Maybe you need to eat again. And so I did. Because what was the use anyhow? What would I possibly eat that would make me stop binging food? I could not figure it out, and I felt so weak of mind. But I kept listening, and I heard things like, this is the last house on the block. If you want what I have, you'll do what I did. Obsession of the mind and allergy of the body. Remove the selfish self-centeredness and give yourself to God. A meal plan is only a tool. A sponsor is only a tool. The steps are the path to a power greater than me that care about what I eat. He was with me always, and he would never turn away. I wasn't giving back my will. I was turning away from him and his love. Through working with many sponsors in this program, on this line, I learned so much humility. And when, I, when it was suggested that I write a help wanted ad for the higher power that I could believe cared about my OA journey, I tried it. And it just flowed out of me. Each time I tried and failed, I heard someone on this line say, you obviously missed something in step one through three. Go back and look at it again. You must not have truly given yourself over to the power of God. And I could see that I was not turning over my will and my life to the care of the God of my understanding. My thoughts, words, and actions must be turned over every day. Today, I know that my problem isn't food. It's my answer. The answer is not the perfect food plan. It's the spiritual shower and the spiritual program connection working with others that keeps me clean today. I just bless all of you every day. I wish you all a happy holiday. I thank you for letting me be of service. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you, Vicki V. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. Although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? To be Jamie G. Lisa B. Lisa B. Okay, let me tell you who I heard. 
Okay. I got, there's somebody G. Amy G. Sorry, what was your first name? Amy. Amy. Okay, so I've got Amy G. Lisa B. There was a Janet. Janet B. B is in boy? Yes, ma'am. Okay, that's who I have so far. Who else would like to share? Melissa Kathy S. I got Melissa C. There was somebody after Melissa. Kathy S. Kathy S. Chippy J. Okay, sorry, there was somebody W. Okay, I've got Amy G, Lisa B, Janet B, Melissa C, Kathy S. Did I miss anybody? Adriana T. Adriana T. Okay, let's go with that lineup. Thank you, everybody. So Amy G, followed by Lisa B. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. This is Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from Maryland. Thank you so much for your service. I don't think I have ever been able to get on first. So Merry Christmas to me. (laughs) What an incredible paragraph. This is, I mean, for me, this page 24 is what I like to call the powerless page because there is, it's just jam packed with so much incredible information. And this paragraph is so important to me because it basically is showing me how the mental obsession works with exactly things that I say to myself. I could relate to every word on this paragraph. How many times have I sat in front of the refrigerator, pounding on the refrigerator door, five bites into a binge going, how did I get here? You know, why with all this knowledge and everything that I know and even learned in over years anonymous, my first five years struggling in and out, why am I still in front of the refrigerator binging my brains out? It's because of this mental obsession. I mean, we just read two paragraphs ago that we have lost the power of choice in drink. We are unable at certain times to bring into our consciousness with sufficient force. Well, here we are in this paragraph, he says, in the most casual way, he says to himself, it won't burn me this time, so here's how. In the most casual way and without thought, even. They say this disease, the three Ds of the disease, denial, delusion, and defiance. Well, we have every single one of those right here. I just read denial. It won't burn me this time, so here's how. How about delusion? Uh, I'll stop with the sixth drink. How about defiance? Oh, what's the use anyhow? How many times have I talked to myself this way? And if I sneak ahead to the next paragraph, it says, when this sort of thinking is fully established in the individual, It goes on to say he places himself beyond human aid. My sick mind cannot heal my sick mind. If my mental obsession can't even bring with sufficient force the suffering and torture of my last binge, and I'm talking to myself in such a way that I'm full of denial and delusion and defiance, I have completely placed myself beyond my human aid. My willpower won't fix it. My knowledge won't won't fix it because my mind is warped. That's what it says in AA 12 and 12. We have warped our minds with such an obsession for destructive eating and drinking that only an act of providence, and to me that providence is God in these 12 steps, can relieve us of it. Because that, my friends, is my thinking. I cannot remember with 
with sufficient force the humiliation of even a week or a month ago or an hour ago. That's how this disease works. And then the three Ds of step one, which is desperate, dying, and doomed when I finally say and surrender, I cannot do this on my own, and I surrender to step one. I'm so grateful for this paragraph today. So grateful to be with you all today. Happy holidays. Love to you all. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy G. And Lisa with an E-B, it's your turn, followed by Janet B. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much for your service and for everyone that's here together now this morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And the shares have been so powerful. I wanted to focus in on the last words, what's the use anyhow you know, hopelessness, it's that seeming hopelessness that um, really kept me stuck for so long. Why bother? It's going to be too hard. You know, I'm not going to be able to do it because staying abstinent, you know, I could get abstinent, but I could never stay abstinent. And I was so discouraged. I lost all confidence in myself. And that's why I love to do a shout out for the recovered voices on this line, because that's what saved my butt. I didn't believe it was possible to recover excuse me and I needed to hear I needed to hear hope I needed to hear uh, freedom you know not just relief I've had lots of relief through the years and sometimes the relief would last a little bit longer and other times it wouldn't but I really wanted to hear freedom you know I needed an accountability partner and that's really how I try to see myself when I take people try to take people through the big book to be an accountability partner to share with them what the tools are of the program that they support me when I'm going through the steps. And I was fortunate with the guide that I received that she enforced, I guess you could say, you know, she really helped me understand I've got to use the tools while I'm going through the steps. And I needed someone to help me be accountable, accountable to my food because it was the lack of clarity. I had no clarity of mind. I was so foggy. And that's why I love hearing recovered voices and podcasts on abstinence because the people share how the illness wants me to be foggy and confused. It does not want me to have clarity and boundaries and lines around my abstinence, you know. And then also the big book tells me that we're undisciplined. The, The other thing the big book tells me is that many are doomed who do not realize their predicament. And as a recovered person, I need to share that with newcomers I need to let them know that I, I did not know that I was doomed. I was in a slow boil, but I didn't realize my predicament. So that's what I wanted to share. I'm so grateful today for freedom from the seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. There's a fellow on the line that shares the disease wants me to keep kicking this can down the street. You know, just keep putting it off, keep putting it off. So with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Janet B., it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Please go ahead, Janet. Hi, good morning. It's Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey and having a terrible cat allergy. I have a horrible cat allergy. If I'm around cats, like I can't breathe, I wheeze, my eyes get all red, I have an asthma attack. And this has happened many, many times. So stored in my memory are all these data points of what happens when I go near cats. Oh, this time, you know, two years ago, you went to the hospital. This time, a year ago, 
you needed an EpiPen. This time six months ago, your eyes got red and you wheezed. So I don't go near cats. If, I, if I'm tempted to go near a cat, invited to a friend's house with a cat, my memory generates a little thought that runs across the bridge connecting to my conscious mind saying, danger, stop, you'll have an asthma attack, don't go. And I don't go. My memory holds me in check. But let's look at that line like I'll stop with the sixth drink or for me, I'll stop with the second or the sixth cookie. Um, so I would go out and this was my college life to buy a box of cookies saying I'm only going to eat one or two, even though 50 times before I would end up eating the whole box of 20 and sometimes getting more. So in my memory were all these data points of what happens when I say I'm only going to have one cookie. And it's like, no, you can't. You end up eating 20. You'll get fat. You'll throw up. You'll hate yourself. Danger. Don't do it. And so my memory generates a little thought to run across the bridge to my conscious mind, except the bridge is broken. And so my memory of the horrible binge hangovers and hating myself and gaining weight and making myself throw up can't reach my conscious mind and I have no defense. So of course I end up saying, for God's sake, how did I ever get started? Um, or what's the use? Because I have a disease and the way my disease works is I have a broken memory. The bridge between my memory and my will when it comes to food was broken and is forever broken. So what's my solution? Because I can't fix it. I can't find any way to keep the memory green. I can't repair that bridge. I need to build a new bridge, and that's a bridge to God, which these steps help me do. When I learn how to have faith, the little bit of faith I have, and surrender to him, then God himself comes across that bridge and protects me. And like it says in working with others, if I continue doing this, continue keeping my bridge strong and helping other people build their bridges, God himself gives me immunity from this illness. What a wonderful, wonderful program this is. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. Melissa C., it's your turn, followed by Kathy S. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C., I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And, you know, so, yeah, I would say in a very casual way, you know, like unconcerned, indifferent, nonchalant, like it's no big deal. Um, I'm stronger than this food problem. You know, I got this. I'm under, I'm in control now. And for me, it would always um, be after I lost a little weight because I, you know, believed in my mind that if I were thinner, if I appeared better, then I was better, you know, or if I held it together all week, then by Friday I would have some sort of strength that I didn't have, you know, on Monday. And, you know, so I'd be good all week and it would be Friday and my family would get the typical Friday night dinner. You know, my family was always pizza. And, you know, and I would think I'm going to have this in a really casual way. And, you know, like two two slices in, I'm counting how many slices can be left over for me, you know? Um, and and then when I'm there, you know, I know I'm down for the count. And and I would say, well, I already blew my diet anyway. And But really most of the time when I picked up 
you know, on a Friday or let's say like on Christmas Eve because this was like the perfect time. I knew that I was going to binge. I knew I wasn't going to have one. And I would and I would say, um, you know, that I'm just going to eat now, like right now. And I would and I would feel almost high on the promise of the coming binge. Like I could get off really with the food in my in my shopping cart. I was already getting like high on it, and or knowing that it was hidden in the house or hidden in the car. And and I would say to myself, all right, I'm just going to binge now, but on Monday, I'm going to be able to stop. Like, for me, that was my, you know, that's that's really what um, that sixth drink was. I would say, Monday, I'll be okay, or New Year's, I will be okay. And then, for me, Monday would come, and New Year's would come, and I had 20 years, you know, where I first came into the rooms for Overeaters Anonymous, I got some recovery, and then I picked up in a very nonchalant way, and I had 20 years of Mondays and 20 years of New Year's. And, you know, and I would say, you know, like an hour into that Monday or halfway into New Year's, what's the use? You know, I'm just going to have to start liking myself like this. That was the lie I would believe. I better start liking myself that, as if liking myself was going to be the answer and that feeling, that settling in feeling of who cares anyway, that is utter desperation, and that's the bedrock. That's where powerlessness steps in. And um, I'm just going to end real quick with that seemingly hopeless state is the essential requirement for recovery to begin. And um, thanks. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Kathy S., it's your turn, followed by Adriana T. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning, Lynn. This is Kathy S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Georgia. And, um, yeah, like all the previous shares, I had this experience of that, with that threadbare logic, the nonchalant idea that, hey, it's Mother's Day. And um, just going to have, I'm going to try a pint of ice cream because I'm not really craving it. So maybe this time... Maybe that's what's going to be different. And, of course, it wasn't next day, absolutely no thought. Um, but I wanted, what I really wanted to share was how it shows up today in recovery. Like I'm, I, I think of it like I'm flying a plane and I'm heading straight and I'm starting to hit a little bit of turbulence. So although I don't recognize that so much, but when I share with fellows who I liken as my control tower, you know, I start telling them, Things like, well, you know, my program feels a little flat. I feel gray. Um, I'm told to maybe check into my feelings, and I think I really need to change up my program. Maybe I'm doing too much or, or something's just, I don't know, it's just off. And so next day, I'm ditching the nightly inventory for a different kind of quiet time reflection and that doesn't look at selfishness, dishonesty, or resentment, but maybe my highlights and things like that. And I shared it again with another fellow. I'm like, hey, do you do that? And they're like, nope, stick to my 11th step. And and so I thought about that and I was like, okay, maybe I'll, I'll do that real quick. And so I do it, uh, my 11th step as it's outlined in the book. And, and lo and behold, I have five resentments. And, and one is about the commitments in my day. And so like a frantic pilot, I check in with another fellow, like, I think I need to get rid of the baggage. Like, you know, it's, it's, this is causing me, maybe it's this meeting 
or maybe it's this commitment um, meeting with a fellow or, or meeting with the sponsee at a particular time. I'm feeling trapped by my commitments and, and I want to be flying high again. Right. So I, then I get, I show, I share that with another fellow and, and then I'm invited to witness this pattern that I'm looking to unload everything. It's suggested maybe that I open the window, that I change days and times instead of changing course, instead of dumping the whole commitment because that's who I am. It's all or nothing. And this is the beginning, what this fellow pointed out, this is often the beginning of what we do when we try to run. I'm trying to hijack the plane, go off course, go off radar, and we know where that's going, right? Because I'm a runner and I'm an addict. And when things get uncomfortable and I really don't, I really don't know how to fly solo because I'm like a kamikaze pilot and I'm destined to crash and die. When turbulence and discomfort, well, to me, that's tragic. This is a mountain in my eyes. And, um, you know, what I was given was a warning, you know, to God to look at anything under, anything beneath, perhaps it's fear of being of service or stepping out of my comfort zone, anxiety about getting ready for the holidays and things like that. You know, the truth is I may get bumped, Time, um, bumped around. Oh, I may get bumped around in the turbulence and discomfort, but I get buckled into my seat as a co-pilot, not the captain. God is the captain. And I'm so grateful that I'm not flying alone, that I have the support of fellows who heed warning signs and keep me on course. Because God at the wheel is my pilot and captain. All I have to do is buckle in and show up. And it's going to be okay. I can enjoy the ride. Thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy. Yes. Adriana T., it's your turn. Good morning, Adriana. Hi, thank you, Lynn. This is Adriana T., um, recovered in Michigan. Um, I'm so grateful for everyone's shares. I could definitely identify with them. Um, one of the things I was reflecting on when I read this paragraph this morning before the meeting was just how long it took me to accept that powerlessness. Um, it took me many go-arounds and to really kind of get it, like that I was the type of compulsive overeater like everyone else in the room because I always just looked at myself as, oh, well, I'm just lazy or oh, you know, I could get the weight off if I wanted to. And, you know, of course, coming in in my early 20s, I, you know, was able to keep some of the weight off. So I wasn't that aware of, you know, that my life was unmanageable because I seemed to be managing it quite well. So in my opinion, (laughs) um, how wrong I was, you know, looking back. Um, and it took some time for the disease to really ramp up and kind of wreak some havoc on my life so I could see, you know, how it's truly affecting me. And um, I guess I just say that because I just remember being in the rooms and not really identifying in with others and really just kind of thinking I was different and that maybe I don't belong here. Like, in a real honest sense, I initially felt oh I don't know if I'm supposed to be like I felt like a fraud like I don't know like I don't I'm don't weigh I didn't weigh as much as that person or I don't quite eat like the way they eat Um, you know it took a while for me to kind of understand my brand of compulsive overeating and 
you know, what that looked like for me wasn't necessarily eating a whole bag of chips or a whole box of cookies in one sitting, but it was um, that constant obsession with my alcoholic foods and when could I get them, how much could I have of them, um, how, how often could I have them, and going through those ups and downs of um, being on and off the wagon, but never really being able to stay on the wagon. And so, um, you know, it, t- it just took a while for me to kind of see those patterns, unfortunately. But fortunately that I did and that I found this program and, you know, now I found, you know, where I fit. And um, I think part of the reason I didn't want to accept it was um, I didn't want to be different in the sense of I didn't want to have this issue that I had to change. I had to do something different. Um, I didn't want to have to be the one that was at party saying, no, I can't have that. Or, you know, send off my grandma who wants me to eat all this stuff. Um, you know, I didn't feel comfortable setting boundaries. And uh, come, thank you. I'll wrap up. Uh, come to find out um, setting boundaries was a bigger problem than just with the food. And so when I started to practice that in that progr- this program, I've seen how, I could set boundaries in other areas. And so anyway, I am so appreciative for the meeting and I'll pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Adriana T. For those of us who might have joined the meeting a little bit later, we are continuing our study of the chapter, There is a Solution, on page 24, the third paragraph, The Alcoholic May Say. The line is now open for sharing on what we just read. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your share to every third day so that others may share their experience too. So if you shared yesterday or the day before, please step back and let others have their turn. And please say your name just once. It does help me hear everybody. Who would like to share? Jen A. Okay, I heard Jen A and somebody P. Reva P. Thank you. Devorah S. Yeah. Tippy J. Christine G. Virginia N. Okay, let me tell you who I have. Just writing it down. Okay, I missed somebody in there. I have Jen A, Reva P, Devorah S, Christine, Virginia, and Michelle. Who did I miss? Tippy J. Marina K. Somebody K. Marina. Could you spell it for me, please? R-O-W-E-N-A. Okay, great. This is our lineup. Jen A, Reva P, Devorah S, Rowena K, Christine, Virginia, and Michelle. So Jen A, could you start us off, please, followed by Reva P. Good morning, Lynn. Thanks so much for your service um, today and always. My name is Jen A, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater here in Littleton, Colorado. Um, There is a solution, right? Oh, we're getting to the solution because from the doctor's opinion to page 23, um, you know, we talked about the allergy of the body. That's where, um, you know, they're just really driving it home. And then at the top of page 23, all the way to page 43, you count the number of pages, we're talking about the mind. 
my mind. Um, you know, I have no choice. I have no willpower. And I have no memory of that last bite. Um, I love in this paragraph how it says, um, he doesn't think at all. There were two ways in which my mind would always take me back to the food. Um, the first way would be, you know, I'd get some kind of upset in my life. Um, and then I'd think, think, think about the upset. You know, that's why they always called me Pooh Bear, right? I was the big thinker. And I'd tap my head, think, 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 think. And that upset would finally get me to a place where I would dive my hand deep down into the honey jar. Something sweet was going to take away that chatter in my head, the thinking in my mind. And this paragraph tells me that I don't even have to think at all. And I remember those times also, right, where I wouldn't even remember going to the cupboard. It was like you're almost hypnotized by your own head, right? And you go to the cupboard and you're sticking your hand in the bag of Oreos or you're driving through the drive-thru or you're at the next 7-Eleven. That was me. And the song that plays over, over, and over in my head was, oops, I did it again, right? It's like, one more time, there you go, Jen, you did it again. And then I would beat myself up for it, and then guess what I do? I go back and eat again. How crazy is it, right? It's my mind. It's a mess. I need help. And I love how this morning Amy talked about it. She said, you know, denial, delusion, and defiance. Well, if I was in denial, when I came to this program, I had to go from denial to admission. I had to admit that I was powerless. That's what we're talking about today, right? Powerless over food. Here's the unmanageability. The delusion that I'm like other people had to be smashed. I needed to hear the truth. I heard the truth from you people. You told me what you did with food, and you also told me that there was a solution. And then defiance. Ooh, was I a defiant girl? And I still can be. And I was going to do what? Here's the word I hate. Submit. Submission. Submit to what? Submit to putting down the food, um, giving over control of my life, handing it over, my will in my life, to something bigger than myself. Didn't know I was capable of doing that. But every day when I wake up and I get on my knees, it's one, two, three. That's that, then it's that third step prayer, right? Thank you, God, that I now see that I needed that because I was guided through this text line by line, page by page with, you know, somebody in whom the problem had been solved. And Time, today, please. you know, my self-destructive thinking and my actions, it still comes up. But you know what? I have defense against it. My defense is God. It's a higher power, something bigger than me that's going to help me and these steps. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you, Jen A. Uh, Reva P., it's your turn, followed by Devorah S. Good morning, Reva. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. I love these paragraphs because it describes what goes on in my head, and I was totally unaware. I was totally unaware of all of this when I came in. And the word that's striking me this morning is nonchalant way. And I looked it up, and nonchalant means appearing casually calm and relaxed, not displaying anxiety, calm, cool, collected. Oh, I'm just casually picking up, you know, a carton of, a container of, and continuing and continuing for thousands more calories within a short span of time. Was it really casual? Was I really nonchalant? 
I was so restless, irritable, discontent. I just didn't connect the dots. I just didn't connect the fact that my restless, irritable, discontent, when I was in the RIDS, it was like a reflex, but it really wasn't because the food was doing something for me that nothing else did. It gave me that, you know, when it was like shooting up. It gave me that, ah, oh, now I could maybe calm my nerves for two seconds. Um, so it wasn't so nonchalant. And, and all these um, sentences remind me, it's the delusion. You know, I think delusion, I didn't look that one up, but I think delusion is believing something, even though I have evidence that it's absolutely false, even though I have evidence totally to the contrary, I'm believing it anyway, like it's not going to hurt me this time. And knowing this is why I am so doomed. Because if it was just a physical allergy like somebody shared, my head can connect the dots, make the bridge, and I stop ingesting that substance. But when I have a delusion and I believe a lie, and my mind can't, can't counter that, this is why I need the running title in this chapter, that I need a solution for that. I need a solution. And it sounded so hokey and it sounded so weird, but the solution is accessing this power that transforms my mind so I can differentiate the true from the false. So I might get the first thought, but then the second thought is, are you kidding? There's no way I'm having one. There's no way I'm stopping after five. That is the miracle. And this really highlights why I need the steps to get me to that power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Devorah S., it's your turn, followed by Rowena K. Good morning, Devorah. Yeah, hi. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you so much, and thank you, everyone on this line that makes this meeting possible. Everybody's service here. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. And, yeah, this page is really something else, really. I was told to read this page every day when I first came into the program. That's all I did in the big book was read a couple of these, this page and another page that really spoke to me. And, um, you know, this paragraph here tells me, you know, just what everybody was saying, the denial, delusion, and despair. Um, and especially the last line, what's the use anyway? Because here I was close to 300 pounds. And um, I say, you know, like, what's the use? You know, like, you know, it's, I'm never going to get there. It's never going to help. Nothing's going to work for me. You know, I'm so over, it's so beyond help. Um, and just, it's so much easier just to live like this because I just can never, I could never lose this weight. And then woe is me. Woe is me. Poor me. You know, this is God's will for me. You know, how about that? Bring in a little bit of God into this. This is God's will for me. There's all kinds of people in this world, you know. So this is how I was created. I have to be fat and miserable. That's 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 what God wants for me today. So grateful that um, I didn't live in that despair and remorse and, and delusion um, and denial. Um, I came into the program 20 years ago. Thank you, God. Feeling really, really desperate um, and um, really, really sick, you know. I had a, a C-section and um, 
And the doctor said to me, we have to go through layers of fat to get to this baby. You know, how humiliating is that? Um, and then, I don't know, something must have happened because I said to myself, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, God is giving me a beautiful gift. And um, I just want to be able to take care of this baby and be a wife to my husband. And, and I just don't want to live like this anymore. And I started coming, I came into this program. And uh, thank you, God. Um, you know, I heard these messages. Um, I never knew that my thinking was my worst enemy. My thinking was getting got me into all this trouble. I never knew that the food was the solution. That the food was 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 making was the that that was that was the tool that made it all better for me. I never knew that I was using food to cover up all the other stuff that was going on. You know, the human emotions. I didn't know that that was the stuff that was was causing me to eat. All I knew is that I just couldn't stop. Um, anything was, you know, and I, I just needed to, you know, put the food down, right? Put down those addictive substances, um, get absent, and, and work these steps. And it was a process for me. And I'm so grateful. And it's still a process for me. It's not over. Okay. You know, each day I need to keep doing this work. And uh, thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Devorah S. Rowena Kay, it's your turn, followed by Christine. Please go ahead, Rowena. Hi, my name is Rowena Kay uh, from the United Kingdom. Um, thank you for letting me share. Um, yeah, I think the, the sentence that stands out for me is it won't burn me this time. And um, that is probably the thought that's preceded every binge, um, that it won't burn me this time. And... Yes, of course it always does, um, because I get the instant gratification, you know, of the relief from my thinking when I binge. You know, my mind that weighs me down um, can find a solution in, you know, in a chocolate. Um, and the other day I was in the supermarket and I saw a new version of M&Ms, and you know, it was like in a, a bar rather than the individual, like sort of sweets um and i thought i just had this tiny thought wow i've never seen that before um i really should try it i, I didn't stop i didn't you know i didn't um uh, you know i just carried on walking but and i didn't realize that i'd had that thought until i got home um and it was just the tiniest little thought it really was and if i hadn't had enough program in me at that time you know i would have just gone and bought all the all of the chocolate that i could um well that i couldn't eat because uh, I, I, you know, I always feel get, get sick halfway through, but um, but that's the mental obsession, and um, you know, in that supermarket, I would have said to myself, well, this will be the last time tomorrow. I'll start all over again, um, or if you know, if if it was at work, you know, then I would be saying to myself, oh, I'll just have one chocolate, and 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 I'll stop after that. But I, of course, I never would. Um, and then after the binge, you know, the lies, um that I told myself to rationalize the binge, I would realize they were lies because I'd wake up the next morning feeling absolutely sick, not wanting to leave the house, and life would still be exactly the same. Um, and then I'd be thinking, you know, what's the point? Um, and um, so, yeah, I'm just grateful to be abstinent today and to be able to get on the meeting. Um, and thank you so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Irina Kay. 
Christine, it's your turn, followed by Virginia. And Christine, could we please have the initial of your last name? Press star one to unmute, Christine. Hi, this is Christine G as in GOAT from the Chicago, Illinois area. Um, I love this paragraph, and it's about the powerlessness, and I just could relate to all the shares so much. And I'm uh, new to vision, and, oh, it's changed my my life dramatically since December 6th. I've gotten so much freedom, so I'm just so grateful. It never occurred to me to give up the substances. I could always just have a little. Not, you know, so I could really relate to it won't burn me this time, so here's how. Boy, and then because uh, I could have a little, and then uh, I could relate to. For God's sake, how did I ever get started again? And that only to have the supplemented by. Well, I'll stop at the blank, the sixth drink or the blank blank. You know, in my case, I'll stop. I'll stop, and um, I can't. That's saying I have the power to stop, and I don't. So that blank spot of the mind and the physical allergy. They just get me, and the program has woken me so much up to that. And I've gotten the share has been powerful, and uh, I just thank everyone and wish you all a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Thank you, Christine G. Virginia, it's your turn, followed by Michelle. And Virginia, could we please have the initial of your last name? Good morning. This is Virginia N., and I'm in Southwest Virginia. And um, I love all the shares that I've heard this morning. And in my heart, you know, in AA, they say once you get enough AA in you, it ruins your drinking. And I had enough OA in me that it did ruin my eating, and I still couldn't stop. And for a long time, I remember maybe a long time ago, I would think I could pick up sugar and certain substances and be okay. But for many years... I knew, I knew if I picked it up that I was in trouble and I still couldn't stop. Um, I've been in OA, but I wasn't willing to do everything I needed to do. And I am so grateful that I finally got desperate enough and I was finally sick and tired of being sick and tired that I, there was no buts anymore. And I got a sponsor, um, another sponsor after many sponsors trying to help me, and I was willing to do everything she asked of me. And I am so grateful that I received the gift of um, recovery. And I just think about this Christmas, and it's totally different because of COVID, like many holidays, but it's so wonderful to not be thinking about all the food like I did on previous holidays. And so I'm grateful for this meeting and for my recovery in the program. And I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Virginia N. And Michelle, it's your turn. Please go ahead, Michelle. And if we could have the initial of your last name, please. I'm Michelle C. And I'm from Missouri. And um you know, where it says it won't burn me this time, so here's how. My sponsor just recently had me write a compulsive eating history, and there are just so many examples of me 
thinking it won't burn me this time. Here's how um, living in my own willpower attempts to eat like others. Um, and I, I said to my sponsor, well, I've sat down many times and thought, you know, I know that if I eat this, I'm going to eat the whole thing, but you know what? I don't care to me in this moment. It's worth the relief that I'm going to get for the few minutes that I'm eating. But she, and I thought, so I, you know, I do have sufficient memory. Like I know this is going to hurt me, but then she gave me the example of, well, if you stepped in front of a Mack truck and got hit, trust me, you're not going to step in front of that Mack truck ever again. And she's totally right. So although I know like I should not be eating this or this uh, bite is going to lead me to eat the whole thing and maybe go get more, I don't have sufficient memory of my suffering. It's that broken bridge. I do not have the power to uh, bring into light how much I suffer and how demoralized I get and how humiliated I get. And so I know that the only thing that's going to protect me today is God. God gives me the power um, because no matter what I do, that bridge will always be broken. And my sponsor tells me that I need to build a bridge to God and to others and to help others build their bridge. And um, although I'm new, I have been working the steps and I already feel relief of obsession and um, I'm just grateful to uh, hear so many recovered people on here and people that are so knowledgeable about big, the big book and that are living in the solution. So thank you for being there for people like me today and I'll pass. Thank you, Michelle. We have time for one quick two-minute share. Would anybody like that time? PJ. Okay, please go ahead. Ooh. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sippy J. I'm a compulsive overeater. Um, for right now, recovering, looking forward to being in a recovered state. Um, that took quite a few tries for me. I guess it was right for me to be on this morning. Um, but something interesting happened. I kept unmuting and trying to say my name, but I wasn't being heard. So I feel like it was just like a metaphor for doing something that's not working. Um, so I need to stop putting my energy into things that don't work and uh, just invested here. Um, I think the part of this paragraph that I identify with the most is uh, is the last sentence. So what's the use anyhow? That's been the, the my mantra for all my relapses. It's like, I know I'm an alcoholic, I'm an addict, I can't stop. I might as well just go and have a heyday. Um, and for today, it's realizing that um, I have a hopeless disease, but I am not helpless. I have a program, and I am learning to form a relationship with a power greater than myself. Um, yeah, uh, thanks for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Great, and thank you, Flippy J. Thank you to everyone who shared, and thank you to Team Thursday. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, Thursday, December 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 16059. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, 
followed by the serenity prayer. Will Carmela G. please read, our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you, Lynn. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.